With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Tennis.com podcast. Steve Tigner and Ed McGrogan here, the second week of the tennis season, 2017, but uh, this is a good time as any for to look back on the first week, which generally gives the knee-jerk reaction um, but, it, you know, is there more, Steve, to some of the results or maybe one in particular than the obligatory, you know, oh, this this could portend or mean a lot? Like, was there a lot of meat on week one that we should really be considering? Well, I think if you, you got to start at the top with, uh, with Djokovic's win over Murray, I don't think you can discount that. Um, you know, I, I started out that match, I think just, just in the way the match went, you – it's just a 250 small 250 tournament but the, you know you know these two guys are going to be battling through the year and i think with as with any of the top rivalries you know they tend to go in waves somebody gets a momentum and then and then one match will switch it back you know murray djokovic had the momentum for years against murray murray got it over the last 6 months of 2016 and now with djokovic winning you have to think you know, could that swing it back to him? I think I started out the match thinking it was a bigger deal for Djokovic because he was the guy who, you know, it was sort of, in my mind, it was like, how's he going to react this year to being number two? And he started out reacting well in the match. He he played aggressively, played the first two sets as well as he could, really, and, and really should have won in straight sets. Then Murray made a comeback, and I started to think, well, this match, this could end up meaning a lot more for Murray because in the past he's he basically has really struggled to turn matches around against Djokovic. If he goes, he'd never won a match against Djokovic after losing the first set. If, if he could do that, this would really be something different and really sort of cement him at number one going into the Australian Open. Yeah, and I'm then, glad he... I, I, go ahead, sorry. And then, just sorry, and then in the end, Djokovic, he did what he's done so often in the past. He looks like he's about to lose, relaxes, and then basically cruises the rest of the way. Um and that, to me, showed that that he still has it. You know, he still has the game, whatever his mentality. Once he relaxed and played his best tennis, Murray couldn't keep up with him. So, in that sense, I think it's. I think it means that should mean a lot to to both of those guys. Yeah, I was say, glad he didn't bury the lead here with these two. Um, you're watching that that match there. I, I came off so impressed with Djokovic, really, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. But if you if you just dig into the specifics a little bit, you know Djokovic serves for the match. He he is yet to been to be broken uh, in the second set, and goes up 30-0, takes a double fall, which almost always tends to signal something worse coming on. And that's, you know, he really lost what seemed like a pretty comfortable lead um, 
for his standards and, and really just, you know, kind of goes away. The second set just can't get it, you know, put it back together. Um, and when he gets a chance, you know, he, he, you know, shakes it off, changes his shirt, um, goes to, uh, goes to the third set, takes another break lead, goes to serve for the match, gets, you know, down love 30 right away. And, I think just for those, you know, those two moments alone struck me as something that, you know, certainly the Djokovic that, that we've that we've been seeing for the past few months, really the last half of 2016. Yeah, I wonder if this goes a lot to exercising those, you know, those mini demons, I guess, and and really, you know, putting that past him. I think the other thing of this match is, you know, Roger Rafa and the others are going to have their say, of course, for the year, but. You know, to start the season with Murray and Djokovic as the, you know as the clear one-two, when you get this right off the bat, I think, I, I think really, you know, you you could you could do worse than kind of seeing. Well, maybe this is the you know, Murray and Djokovic have long you know been near the top, and and last year was clearly you know they shared the year, and you know maybe this is just the start of another year that they really are the clear two at the top of the game. Yeah, I think. To me, the, this rivalry could be good this year. You know, it's never really lived up to to Rafa and like more and, entertaining, and entertaining. You would Djokovic, say, yeah. yeah, entertaining and competitive. Um, I think Murray can take away some good things from this match. He really controlled uh, a portion of the match, which he you know doesn't really get to do that often against Djokovic. He was the better shot maker. Um, he didn't end up winning, but he was able to turn the table. And I think now that Murray has been number one. You know, in the past, Djokovic was just the superior player. He's the guy who had been number one. He has all the slams. He's won most of their matches. Now Murray has has two Wimbledons, two Olympics. He's beaten Djokovic a couple times. Uh, he beat him for number one. It feels to me as if Murray's not just going to go away or get overly discouraged about this. He knows something about himself now that he didn't before. He can be number one. So, you know, taking the positive and hopeful side, to me, this could hopefully this signals something better for the rivalry. This might've been the best match that they played. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. It's a good way to think of it actually. And I, and you know, we'll, we'll, we will actually, uh, we'll have a podcast here after the Australian open draws come out. And you know, the interesting thing we're going to see with these two, there'll be one, two, of course, on the opposite sides, but it's where do, you know, some of the lower ranked relatively speaking, but you know, really high class players, Roger Roth, of course, as i just mentioned where are they going to end up and you know there could be some very very compelling uh you know mid midweek early second week matches that uh could involve these two here so we'll get to that when the Aussie comes and and to continue on that is you know if if you're kind of thinking of players that um you know that could really put that could make you really kind of consider the Australian Open draw uh when it comes around I think I think what you saw from from Grigor Dimitrov week one um, was a very encouraging sign. If if you've you know if you've a been following him for his career, um, but also you know to kind of to kind of look back to really how he has, I think turned something of a corner in in, in his in his young career, but you know a career that's had a lot of ups and downs. You know, to take a title, to get you know a number of of very impressive wins along the way, um, and I think to you know, he's hit the reset button for sure on his on his career. He's you know, 
hire a new coach. He, you know, he's kind of, I think, wanted to put the past behind him. And for Dimitrov week one, um, certainly, you know, you couldn't ask for anything better on his end. Yeah, I mean, you know, I watched watched his matches there, and he looked so much more positive. He said he, you know, he never had as much fun on a tennis court as he had at this tournament. He looked so much more positive. You can see it in his game, much more on the offensive. His backhand was was there was a lot more confidence in his backhand and in his forehand, and just the way he moved around the court. I guess um, he and his coach at one point last year, Danny Valverdu, just really had to. I think Valverdu had to really sit him down and say you. Have, and tell him he really had to make things happen now. It's not in the future anymore. Uh, he's 25 now, and this is really he's entering his prime. And if he's going to he's going to live up to that pen- potential, it has to be starting this year. I would and beating three top 10 players, you, you can't really deny that three three really good players, three slam contenders. Yeah, this is in a row. Yeah, this was in Brisbane, and you know this is the the list from you know he's even you know. Starts even with Steve Johnson. That's a nice win too. And then Mahout second round. Dominic Team in three sets. Uh, Milos Raonic the top seed in straight sets, and then Nishikori in the final. Yeah, I would only say the only question I would have is Dimitrov tends to like certain tournaments and do well at them. Brisbane's one of them. He's been to the final there before. He started out well in his career at Queens Club, and he eventually won that tournament. Um, He's done well in Rotterdam. There just certain be certain tournaments where he feels comfortable and comes back and does well. And Brisbane is one of them. So now we'll see. Uh, you know, he started out the year there well in the past, and and it hasn't necessarily followed up. Um, so we'll see when he moves on. Obviously, that's just one event. Uh, so we'll see about that. Yeah, I kind of want to go a little rapid fire around the, around the horn here, but moving to the WTA side, um, nothing too unfamiliar. If you've, you know, really followed the tour a lot over, you know, you know, to be honest, for quite a few years, but um, you know, a week of re- week of pretty much carnage from the the top seeds, high seeds in the WTA side last week. Everyone from um, Kerber down the line, um, you know, you go down the rankings, really uh, tripping up at a few points. Kerber actually already has taken a second loss this week. Um, so you know her, you know her reign as uh, number one to start the year off to you know something of a of a poor start, obviously. Yeah, she, she um, came out. You know, she lost to two solid players, Fidelina and um, Kazakina, both you know young players who were good, but not really players that you know, not players that a number one player should lose to. They're not, but they're not total shocks. I would, you know, she she came out slowly against Kazakina. Didn't really look. As if she was into it, Kerber. I guess we'll have to we'll have to see if she's going to be the type of player who who wants to or can dominate every week, or if she's going to save her best for the for the majors. You know, Serena is always focused on the majors. Is Kerber going to be is she going to be like that? Um, because or is this a sign that she's just not playing well right now, and that we're in for a different type of season, and 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 that number one is going to weigh on her? We'll see. You know, you don't really know anything until. Until the Australian Open, obviously, but um, but she looks beatable right now. It wasn't as if Kazakina had to play the greatest match she's she's ever played to to win and to control the rallies, too. You know, Kerber was Kerber was out of the rallies a lot of the time. Yeah, and um, and you know that's 
been the MO we've put on her for a little bit. Serena, you know, she was uh, beaten in Auckland second round by uh, Madison Brengo. Certainly, you know, regardless of the, uh, you know, her st- her time away from the game, you know, a bit of a surprise to see her lose that, particularly after um, winning the second set in a breaker. That's kind of the, you know, the, the usual turnaround point where you, you know, eventually lead on to a pretty one-sided third set, but, but Serena goes down early in that one as well. Yeah. Um, that was a sort of classic case of Serena making unforced errors. She said she made 88. I'm not sure if anybody's discovered if that was actually the real number or whether that was just a number in her head, but she made a lot of them. Um, and, you know, you wonder, you wonder about that because she's always, you know, on one hand you might say it doesn't matter. It's just a match, but she's in the past few years, she's come out and played well in the, in the lead ups to um, the Australian open. You know, she has been to the final or won Brisbane. She's, she's come out looking sharp to start the season. Not so much this year. She's, she obviously has had, she um, has had other things happening in the off season. Maybe that's, maybe it's going to be a slow start for her. It would seem to me now that I would almost be surprised if she wins the Australian open looking at the way she played that match and the way she's kind of come out this year, maybe it's going to be a slower start to the year for her. And, and speaking of, you know, leading to Australian open, I, you know, one of the, the tournaments that was on most this week um, was Hotman cup. And, you know, Roger Federer obviously the, was the big story in that tournament for his, you know, his presence there. First of all, um, you know, a return from a long way away. I, I sort of wonder too, if, you know, looking at that event, I really watched it more than, than I typically had, and I, uh, you know, it it never really gave me, with the exception of the mixed doubles portion, you never really got that pure exo sense, and it certainly is not an exhibition while there's no ranking points available either. But it seems to me that that um, it's really one of the best ways I think players could prepare for the Australian Open with the guaranteed matches. You're also getting doubles action, you know, play as well as singles. I think it's I think it was a, uh, you know, even discounting Federer for a minute his, you know, his reason to be there. Um I think it's, you know, one of the really a pretty unique way to do it. There's not really a, you know, as compared to some of the other slams that you know, they have some pre-major exos of boodles, things like that as well, but um Hamon Cup I have to give a lot of uh praise to and and for the players that play it. Yeah, I think Djokovic came out of there one year looking really sharp and ended up winning the Australian Open. I've always liked it because it's a real match. You get to see a real match. It's not for the it's not for purely for entertainment purposes, but it's a little more relaxed and you see I feel like you see a little more shot making in the matches. Players are a little more willing to to play a little looser, to um to play, you know, to try a little more than they normally would. The one thing I would say and Federer Federer looked good. I would say that um Zverev also looked good, and there was—I felt like there were some signs that a guy like Zverev, a young guy like that, is going to be trouble for Federer. They played three tiebreakers, so it wasn't a blowout by any means, but but he was—I felt like he was the guy with the who was more explosive, um, obviously with the serve, and even with the forehand and backhand, he could—he didn't really need to set up points to win them the way Federer did. So um, that'll be interesting to see how he faces up against a guy like Zverev, a guy like Team, a guy like Kyrgios, these young guys who can do that to him. Um, and I also would say that that uh, 
the only the, the part of Hopman Cup that's different is really no probably not the same level of nerves that uh, that you see that you'll get at the Australian Open. So in that sense, it's never quite real. You know, it's the tennis is good and they want to win, but you're never going to get the players don't have to deal with that sense of nerve. So you never you don't really get a sense of what's gonna what's gonna happen at the Australian Open. Yeah, and I hear you on some of those Zver- some of the shots you're saying specifically from Zverev and Federer. If you if you watch the um, the YouTube clip of that match, it's pretty outstanding stuff. Some of this is really uh, really pretty to watch. I'd recommend that. La- last bit of news I wanted to get in is. Maria Sharapova, you know, speaking of players who who make their return in 2017, you know, her return does not come until until April. But it was announced that she'll come back, a return to Stuttgart, the Porsche Grand Prix, where she's actually a, a three-time champion. Um, I actually, you know, I actually talked to Marcus Gunhardt, who is the tournament director, uh, this for a, a magazine piece, and you know, this morning, and you know, he. I think he, in a way, and he sort of admitted this kind of lucked out with how this is all turning. You know, he said, you know, just the way that the calendar shakes out is really pure coincidence that that she ends up at this event. But it's an event that um, you, know, you you really remember her seeing her there, um, you know, kind of identify with her, you know, and, and Clay as well has really become Sharapova's calling card for a while. Um there was some, you know, there even so there was actually still some controversy about about this specific return date and time which um I actually didn't realize myself until afterwards so you pointed out if you would care to explain to our uh, our kind listeners here. Yeah, if it, it it may be the case that that um you know she's getting a wild card into this tournament she's going to start the day after her suspension ends. It may be the case that that anti-doping rules say she has to be um eligible for the entire week to play that tournament so you you know you look are you bending the, is she bending the rules right away is the sport bending the rules right away to get her to get her back in it seems that that's that that's not the way you know you want her to come back after after what's happened you want you want every you know the, the anti-doping rules to be followed uh to the letter at the same time is it worth is it something really worth getting worked up over that she can she can play this tournament. I don't know. I guess, you know, you want her to come back in the right way. I think people will be happy to, I think, you know, her fans, and I think people will be happy to have her back playing tennis. Um, either way, I guess it's just, you know, to come back right, if it is does turn out to be a controversy, you know, it's it's an, an unfortunate way for her to come back from what's happened. Yeah, it, it'll be something, it'll be a little more of a, a, a trailing story. You know, the, the exact way that um, I read it on, on Twitter, Ben Rothenberg had it. It's a, he says, Sharapova's ban ends on Tuesday of Stuttgart, and her first match will be on Wednesday per excuse me per the tournament. She's not allowed on site before Wednesday. It's a very so it's a very strange sort of uh, you know return to the tour. It's not as if uh, you know the you know by any any sort of welcome uh, will 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 happen beforehand. It's it's really just kind of you know this is the way. Uh, it's going to happen and you know we'll kind of go from there and we'll be of course discussing it probably a lot as uh that that uh part of the year draws near so um what will happen this week is the australian open draws will be made i i believe these are typically done on friday um friday morning 
Eastern time, very early in the morning, if not on Thursday night, in fact. This, obviously, you have to account for the 16-hour time difference. So, um, But when the draws are out, uh, we'll uh, take a look at those and return here to the podcast to break them down a little bit for you. Um, so be sure to tune in for that next edition. And uh, that's when we'll be back. So for Steve, I'm Ed. Thank you for listening again, as always, the Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.